Behind the Rack, Episode 3, Honoring Those Who Serve. My guest today is my friend and United States Marine Corps veteran, Furman Saker. Furman served in the Marine Corps between 1993 and 2001. I hope you enjoy this wide-ranging conversation on service, leadership, and the importance of taking care of each other. Please welcome to the show, U.S. Marine, Furman Saker. All right, and so so we're rolling. Uh, Furman, welcome to Behind the Rack. Thank you, Brian. Thank you for bringing me out. I like to always start off by asking, where were you born and raised, and what did your parents do for a living? Um, I was born in Dover, Ohio. And then I was raised in a little community south of Dover. Dover was like where the closest hospital was. And I was raised in a little community called uh, Denison, Ohio, and Yorksville, Ohio. Two little towns right next to each other. Um, the phone number is 922. They say, when you want help, you call 911. You want trouble, you call 922. <laughs> um, so it's, a, it's just a small, poor town community. Between the two little towns, there's maybe 11,000 people. I just was there a few weeks ago. Enjoyed it. Uh, don't want to live in the back there, but mm-hmm. I do enjoy it when I go back. Uh, did you have any brothers and sisters? So, um, yeah, I have uh, two brothers I grew up with, um, and then I had later in life had an older sister. Before um, before I was born, my mother had a, another child she gave up for adoption, and uh, I always knew about it. My middle brother always knew about it. And then about five years ago, our sister found us. Oh. So now I have uh, technicality... An older sister, which I always knew, but um, right. I did tell her, hey, yes, you're the older sister, but I'm still in charge. <laughs> so, yes, I was I was the oldest of three boys, and I have an older sister. You know, my parents, my mom was a single mother until she met my stepdad. They got married when I was about three and a half, four years old. Okay. Um, and those that that's the father of my two younger brothers. And she, my mom was a stay-at-home mom. Uh, my dad um, worked all kinds of jobs. He never really stayed steady in there. A lot of that is um, my, my parents did drugs. I mean, my dad mm-hmm. was a was a drug addict. He um, spent some time in jail. Um, never really could keep jobs. You know, right. uh, great great guy. He's some of the reasons I joined the Marine Corps. He tried. He tried his best. I mean, mm-hmm. I've had some long conversations with him now as a grown adult. You know, he's in his sixties. We've had some good bonding relationship things right. and you know um he just got caught up in he had a troubled childhood and he got caught up in that troubled childhood got caught up in drugs and just didn't always make the best decisions in the world uh, i don't blame him for a lot of things um if anything i thank him I thank him what not to be like you know um stay out of trouble or this right. is the way your life is going to be you know he didn't you know he he made an attempt at being the Marines. Um, he went off to Paris Island, third uh, battalion. Don't know much more details of that. The, the, he was medically discharged out of boot camp, but he always mm. spoke highly of the Marine Corps. Right. You know, um, so that's where kind of my my thought process of the Marine Corps was. I always heard mm. good things about the Marine Corps. I didn't have any close immediate family members that were in the military. Um, had some uncles that had been in the military when they were mm-hmm. younger. Um, like an uncle that was in the army and that kind of stuff. Um, but no one who I saw on a daily basis or I never seen anyone active duty. I yeah. just saw photos of So people. really your yeah. stepdad talking highly of the Marines. Yeah. And, um, and then 
I never really thought about any other service. I mean, I really didn't. I didn't even think about the Marine Corps until senior year in high school in English class. Um, my buddy Craig, Craig Birch, he turns around in eighth period English class our senior year, and he says, hey, you want to join the Marine Corps? I thought about it for about 10 seconds, and I said, Sure. We skipped ninth period study hall, went to the recruiter's office, signed up no that day. Way. I mean, I little, we walked in the recruiter's office. We were a recruiter's dream. <laughs> we walked in, we both said, Hey, we want to be Marines. And the recruiter's like, thank you. Here's slide here. <laughs> um, uh, our recruiter, his name was Sergeant Creaky. Yeah. I'll never forget him. He had birth control glasses on, wore those birth control glasses with pride. <laughs> and he, um, yeah, I just really didn't think, uh, too much thought about, like I said, five, 10 seconds. That's it. First, we both signed up to be reservists. This was in 92. Somewhere through there, we both decided to go active duty. And we went back to the recruiter, and that was February of 93. And we signed up, hey, we want to change from reserves duty to active duty. And the recruiter was like, okay. He had no problems with us changing. Yeah. Uh, we shipped out. We graduated June of 93. Shipped out July together. Shipped out to Paris oh, Island. that's good. Um, our... First duty ser- Our first day of service at Paris Island was July 11th. And I'll always remember that day because um, later in my Marine Corps career, my roommate, Bill Hessler, we had same time and grade. Same. He had me on one day time in service because when he went to Paris, he went to, sorry, he went to San Diego. He was July 10th. Okay. We graduated the same day, but he was July 10th right. at, at San Diego. I was July 11th at Paris Island. So he'd always pull rank on me because it was <laughs> it would always go time and grade, time and service. He always had me a day in time and service. And then he says, if I didn't have you time and service, I'd have TOE, time on earth. He was 20 days before me. So Bill <laughs> always had me. He always, always outranked me because, because of that. Craig and I uh, were in 2089. We were across the squad bay from each other. Yeah. Saker was mine, Birch was his, so we, he was on one side, I was on the other side, but we were pretty much right across from each other. Uh, the drill instructors found out we were friends, and a lot of times we got thrashed together. If one of us screwed up, the other one just got called <laughs> up to the quarter deck. And I know Craig, will, he'll, he'll deny this every day, but I spent more time on the quarter deck because of him than I did for myself. Um, he, got, he got shafted through boot camp a little bit, um, and that his um, rack mate got dropped. And Craig didn't have a rack meet then from then on out. So when it was time to make the racks in the morning, he was always behind mm. because he'd never had anyone to help him. And he'd get thrashed at six o'clock in the morning on the quarter deck. Saker, get up there with him. <laughs> so I started helping. Like I'd hear him get my rack done and then go over and help him get his done because I was tired of being on the quarter deck for him. Now, he, he got sent to the quarter deck because of me too. But you know, the drill instructors knew we were friends. Uh, we got through boot camp together. Uh, it was a very honorable day for us. Uh, October 8th, 93, we graduated Paris Island. Uh, platoon 2089, Fox Company, 2nd Battalion. And um, I went off to recruiting right. for like a month, and he immediately went off to school. Um, and so we didn't – plus our career paths were different at that point. He was a radio comm guy. I was a data data comm specialist and nobody at boot camp knew what I was right. none of the drill instructors knew um, the company gunny was like oh wait a minute <laughs> wait the company commander he's some kind of data 
calm guy, but you're not going to go talk to the captain back to Kerfield. Just, just, you just figure it out yourself. You know, everybody <laughs> at boot camp got to talk about, to try to talk. The drill starts with at the end of boot camp would tell us, Hey, you're a calm guy. You're a radio guy. You're an infantry. You know, just, yeah, I didn't have anybody because the only one in the entire company was the commanding officer. And I was a recruit. I won't go get right. to talk to him about it. Um, but boot camp was uh, interesting. It was that, you know, you always see in the Marines, they get off that bus and they stand on those yellow footprints. That's a wake up moment. That's a, oh, this shit just got real moment. You get off that bus and you're like, wow. And I even said to Craig, oh, what did we do? What did we do? And I wasn't was scared. Was yeah, oh, yeah. You Recruits only come in at night. They never come okay. in a day. They always, they always roll them in at night. Um, your head's down, the curtains are drawn on the bus and you don't get to see anything. And I spent 13 weeks at Paris Island. And when my parents came to pick me up when I graduated, I says, get me off this Island. Cause <laughs> I don't know how to get off the Island. I really didn't. We spent 13 weeks trying to figure out watching tra traffic flow of cars, which way was off the Island, <laughs> but we didn't know. We could never figure it out. We knew the main road, but we didn't know if that was coming or going. And, um, my dad's like, what do you mean you don't know? Dad, I don't know how to get off this island. I, I Yeah, I've been here for three months, but I don't know which way's off. Uh, of course, he did because he'd been at Paris Island when he was younger, and plus he drove, drove on that day. But um, it was um, it was an eye-opening experience, Paris Island was. Um, you know, before I went there, of course, people made fun of me. Oh, you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. Oh, that's hard. You know, why did you choose the Marines? And very interesting, a uh, guy named Jason Lambeth and Chad Williamson sat in front of me my senior year in um, government class. Both of them on a daily basis made fun of me for joining the Marines. I, I just constant, constant, constant. Um, fast forward a couple years later, both of them are Marines. And I found out, and I just, I, they were junior to me, but I, I was in a print shop, and I saw the Marine Corps roster that had every Marine in, in the Marine Corps active and reserve. I was flipping through it, and I saw one of their names. I was like, what the hell? I reached out to them, and I found out both of them had joined the Marine Corps. Um, Lambeth, he is deceased now. Uh, Chad is in California. Uh, you know, we grew up, you know, we grew up together, our same little graduating school you know claymont mustangs and both of them marines now. that's a lot of marines from a small oh town. yeah oh especially the three of us were in the same class yeah and um oh i give i still give them shit well i can only chad because he's still alive but i still give him like dude for every day you guys both gave me crap and you both joined the marine corps after like after well after like a year yeah. year and a half after i did Still, like I said, even before Lambeth's death, still stayed in contact with him. We always talked. Um, but yeah, Paris Island, unique experience. Um, I had some different, say different experiences than other people in that um, after the rifle range. One, I didn't shoot well in the rifle range. Um, I struggled. I really struggled at it. Um, and I, I figured It took me years to figure out why. And then when yeah. I figured out why, I became a great shooter. I wasn't focusing on the front sight post like I'm supposed to be. And when you're 200 yard line, 500 yard line, you're going to struggle. Um, well, I struggled at the 200 yard line, a little bit of 300 yard line. And then when I went back to the 500 yard line, I had to get eight in the black 
to qualify. You only have 10 shots from 500 yards. I had to get eight in the black just to, just, just, just oh, so I wouldn't be unk. Based on your performance. Before, because I oh, sucked wow. at the 200-yard line, and I, eh, okay, at the 300-yard line. And all the rifle range coaches and the drill instructors were watching me because they were like, yeah. this guy is not going to qualify. He's going to unk. And it was just like the whole, um, oh, you're not going to make it when I was, before I joined the Marine Corps. Oh, that your stupid idea. I was like, I'm not leaving this rifle range unqualified. I'm not getting my ass thrashed. I'm not, I'm not going to be one of those. One of the, I'm not going to fail. I'm not going to fail. And that was the whole thing at boot camp. Was I the best Marine? No. Or best recruit? No. Um, did I fail anything? No. I, but I, because I wasn't going to fail. Mm-hmm. Well, I went to the 500 yard line needing eight in black. I got nine. I only wow. dropped one round wow. from 500 yards out. And everyone, even the, 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 uh, the rifle coaches and the drill mm-hmm. instructors were coming like, holy shit, you're going to make yeah. it. You're going to make it. And they started backing off a little bit. They weren't stressing me out. They were really focused on me because they were like, black, black, black. They're like, he's catching up. He's not dropping black. Because uh, I knew I could only miss two. Mm-hmm. If I miss two. I was done. Wow. So focusing on the and, and, and just the post. front side post because that's what they teach you. Don't look at the target. Look at the front side post. You only need you. You can be blind as a bat. All you need to do is see the front side post. Put the front side clear front side post in the blurry silhouette, and you'll hit the black every time. And I couldn't. Also, I've have trouble even to this day, um, dominant shooting with my eye. I force myself to shoot with my right eye, knowing. Damn well, my left eye is my dominant eye, but I'm right-handed, and so other you have to choose. Other other people have told me, dude, you know, you need to start learning to shoot with your left, right? Your left hand instead of your right hand because your left eye is your dominant eye. No, I just force myself to shoot right-eyed, right-handed because I'm right-hand dominant. I've thought about shooting, and I have shot sometimes with the pistol, left-handed, and it's more comfortable with my eye but it's not comfortable with my hand. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I went to boot camp, you know, I, I qualified. I didn't unk. And there were so many, there was a couple guys that unked and they had to go to remedial shooting, you know? And I was like, I'm not me. I didn't, again, I didn't want to drop. I didn't want to fail. I was not leaving Paris Island. Uh, one of the recruiters told me, he said, before I left, he says, the um, best, the quickest way to get off the island is to graduate. Because if you, you fail at something, you get dropped. And then you're longer there. You're there Recycled. longer. Yeah. And yeah. you're, you know, there was, we had a couple of people that we picked up through there. Um, one guy, he got, he got dropped right after first phase twice. We were his third platoon. He'd been at Paris Island for oh, like nine months. Can you imagine? You know, he had, in, he had an injury and then he'd been recycled and yeah, he graduated with us, but he'd been there for nine months. He better graduate. He'd been through this a couple of times, but uh, do it, do it like you're supposed to. Do it quick. Did I screw around? Yes. Did I have sometimes bad attitudes? Yes. There was even one time the drill instructor, Sergeant Cabral, he had a little green book, and he didn't get you during the day. <laughs> he just write your name in his book. And um, I, I was in his book all the time. And then when he would have duty, he would thr- he'd get out the book, and he'd thrash you all night. Well, he'd come walking by 
I was standing online and he come walking by and I looked over his shoulder to see if my name was in his book. Yeah, it wasn't until he noticed that I was looking in his book. Oh, you went in the book? Okay, Saker, there you go. <laughs> the one day I wasn't in his book, I volunteered myself to be in the book. Um, but I got through boot camp. Um, great day. There's a couple things that can never take away from me. I'm a dad. Can never take that away from me. My son is an Eagle Scout. You can never take that away from me. And I'm a U.S. Marine. You can never take that away from me. Um, those are permanent. You can do everything, but I will for the rest of the day after October 8th, 1993, I became a U.S. Marine. Technically, you became a Marine a couple days before that because um, that's when they actually awarded you the Eagle Golden Anchor. What was your next training? Um, was it your I, job? After, so, no. At that point, all male Marines, it's different now. It's mm-hmm. all Marines. But that time, it was all male Marines um, go off to Marine Combat Training, MCT, at Camp Geiger, which is Camp Lejeune in Jacksonville, North Carolina. Okay. It's, for, it's for a month long. and you Because all Marines are riflemen, regardless of your MOS. So, you go and learn basic combat skills, go to the gas chamber, you know, weapons, that that kind of stuff. When you learn some of that at boot camp. And this is a twisted part of me. I love the gas chamber. I like to go in the gas chamber without my mask. What? You know, I mean, I have even NB- friends that were in NBC that would say, dude, I'm in NBC and I don't go in the gas chamber without my mask. Does like, it affect you? Oh, it? apparently it does. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, I mean, he, he, every pore in your entire soul burns. But no, you, for you, why, why do you like... Oh, it's just a rush. It's okay. a rush. It's it's <laughs> it's like um, I would go in and do my required stuff, uh-huh. and then I would ask, "Hey, can I go in again?" Uh-huh. What? Yeah, can I go in without my mask? What? Yeah, whatever floats your boat, you know. And I just I loved it. I just I had so much fun going to the gas yeah. chamber. A lot of it's because I'm a computer guy. I don't get to do the combat stuff all the time. Right. I only get to do it once a year. But yeah, MCT was all male Marines. Uh, for a month, females w- went directly to their school, and then anyone that was inf- at that time, anyone also all more, like I said, all members, and then infantry guys would go to another six more weeks, and then we would go okay. off to our school. And um, then after that month, and I saw guys do stupid stuff, and they told us over and over again, "These are the stupid things you're going to do. Don't do them, or you will get in trouble." And I didn't, but I'd see other guys do stupid you mean stuff, like on the weekend. Yes, yes, get we, had, weekend, we had weekends off. We go drinking. <laughs> or whatever. Nope, I stayed in a squad bay. Uh-uh, no drinking. No, but I, I also look. I've always been a kind of an entrepreneur thing, mm-hmm. and I saw an effort to make some money while I was in the field. The first week we were in the field, nobody had toilet paper. Nobody had toilet paper, and everybody was feeding after toilet paper. So the next week, I went to the PX on the weekend and bought two giant things of toilet paper and Ziploc bags. And I'd spend 10 bucks on like a 30-pack of toilet paper and like two or three bucks on some Ziploc bags. You did bags. think that through. And I would go to the field with like 20 or 30 bags, and I would sell a roll of toilet paper in its own waterproof case <laughs> for $5 a roll. Oh, and people were mad. They would be mad. I'm trying, you're ripping us off. You're ripping us off. No, dude. I have toilet paper in a waterproof <laughs> what case. What you need. Do you want it? That's good marketing. And waterproof case. And every time they would be mad at me sometimes. And I would sleep it within my sleeping bag too so people wouldn't try to steal it out of my pack. <laughs> Guy woke me up in the middle of the night. Hey, dude, I need some toilet paper. Here's five bucks. Here you go. You know? <laughs> people were so mad. But at the end of the week, so... 10, 20 rolls, however many I took with me, five bucks a bit, I tripled, quadrupled my money. I didn't want to get too greedy, but I would trade it for like extra chow or just different things. 
and I also took care of like uh, platoon sergeant and squad leaders and stuff like that. Maybe sell it to them for two dollars because <laughs> I didn't. Um, I even had a staff member, uh, one of the sergeants who was our instructor. He's like, "Hey, dude, give me a roll of toilet paper. I ain't gonna pay you the five bucks. That's right. That's fine." But he remembered that, and I didn't get crap details. You know, <laughs> I didn't give you, you know, because I gave him one. But I was smart about that. But uh, and then after MCT. Um, worst Greyhound experience and only Greyhound experience I've ever had in my life. He put me on a bus from Jacksonville, North Carolina to Quantico, Virginia in my service alphas. There's the, the green, for those who don't know, yeah. that's the green uniform. And um, it's not supposed to take 14 hours to go from, from North Carolina to Virginia, but when you're on a Greyhound bus, it does. Drop me off at Quantico, Virginia, out in Triangle, the uh, little town right outside the gate. And one o'clock in the morning at the bus station where there's nobody. Um, there's a seven 11 next door. So I went to the seven 11, a uh, little dude that works in there. He knew exactly what I was. He knew I was a Marine. Yeah. I was a boot. And, um, he called us. He's like, hold on. I'll call the staff duty officer. Staff duty officer came out there and got me. That was, um, a couple days before Thanksgiving. So I spent Thanksgiving of 93. Um, Checked in, mm-hmm. but I wasn't couldn't do anything because it was the holiday weekend, so I was just stuck in the barracks. But yeah, now I was at my first duty station. They didn't send me to school right away because the schoolhouse was full. So they sent oh, okay. me to my first duty station, which just happens to be where the schoolhouse is. So I was at Newland Hall, worked in the computer mainframe department, you know, the section at the G6, you know, like in the Air Force, they call it the A6, right. Marine Corps, the G6. I worked on the job training in my career field. Uh, schoolhouse was on the second floor. So, Same building. Even. Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't go to school right away. And then when I eventually did go to computer science school, I didn't have to live in the computer science school barracks because I was permanent personnel. So I got to go to the, I got to drive to school because <laughs> I owned a car at that time. Um, plus it was at the same building I worked at. Um, but yeah, Quantico, Quantico met some of the, best friends of my life um to this day i would give my life to a lot of them like scott gallagher bill hessler uh jimmy burkholder all these guys you know i would just give my chris torino i would like i said i'd give my life up for them um we did a lot of stuff we were all young privates pfcs lance corporals corporals together we all lived in barracks we did everything together some of them were married we did you know this is what we did i mean we were day in day out each other's lives we go fishing now together you know we go do things together if we're in some town like jimmy jimmy lives out in kansas city but there's a couple other marines like travis marlowe and those and womack they all live near each other and they'll hang out they'll they'll meet up once a month you know or something like that every so often they'll meet up with it um those were those were the best times of my life preparing for this i started thinking about things in my career I made a, it's a silly mistake, but I was a, a Lance Corporal E3 sitting in the chow hall, getting ready to go on leave. And I wanted to eat the, use my meal card before I went on leave. So I went, ran to the chow hall, got lunch before I go to the uh, uh, battalion headquarters to turn in my meal card for leave. And I saw the Sergeant Major of the Marine Corps walking out like, holy <laughs> cow. I didn't see the Commandant walk in before him. You know, yeah, I'm not just E3, but I was like, wow, Sergeant Major's on deck. I'm looking out for him because I'm, I'm scared. He's, you know, right. three up, four down. 
you little bit acre in the middle. You know, he's our major. And then some some Marine goes, hey there, devil dog, can I sit with you and eat? And I look up and I see four stars. <laughs> it's Commandant General Mundy. And I'm trying to swallow my food because you don't talk to an officer with food in your mouth. You don't talk to an officer sitting on your ass. I'm trying to stand up. I'm in civilian attire. He doesn't know that I'm just some Lance Corporal. He just knows I'm a Marine. And he says, whoa, whoa, calm down. Don't choke. And I'm just shaking my head yes. And he's, um, um, he sits down. And I had nowhere to be there. At that point, it didn't matter where I was supposed to be. Right. I'm sitting with the Commandant of the Marine Corps. Got a little nervous, a little scared. We're shooting shit, talking about stuff. And he had asked me, this is professionally in the Marine Corps, probably my biggest mistake. I was honest with him because you just, you just, you just don't lie. You have integrity, but it was probably my biggest career mistake. He says, Hey there, Lance Corporal. When are you ready to be a corporal? When are you ready to be a, a leader of Marines? And I told him, I said, well, sir, I'm in a shop of 22 other Lance Corporals. I don't get a lot of opportunities to um, show any leadership because there's so many of us and the corporals just take charge and they do their thing. And he's, Oh, so you're going to, Call me or send me an email when you're ready to be a corporal. I said, well, sir, not exactly, but I'm today I'm not ready to be a corporal. I was honest with him. Right. Biggest mistake of my life because I found out he probably would have promoted me right there if I was showed leadership and effort and everything. Got so excited, went back to my shop. After I went, got my leave papers, then went back to work. Hey, I met the comment on the Marine Corps. First thing Sergeant Chadwick says. You didn't say anything stupid, did you? You know, battalion commander and the company commander ain't going to come down here looking for us because you told the commandant something stupid, are you? No, no, no. I told him what happened. Well, he thrashed me for an hour because I was so stupid telling the commandant I wasn't ready to be promoted. It was another 14 months before I got promoted. If I would have got promoted that day, I would have been, I would have outranked my roommate Hessler. <laughs> I would have outranked everybody because I'd only been a corporal. I mean, a Lance Corporal for only a couple months. I would have right. outranked them all. And then fast forward my career, I probably would have made sergeant much quicker, staff sergeant much quicker. I would have made, I was never a staff sergeant, but I got, uh, we'll talk about it later, but I, uh, I would have got promoted and I probably right. would have had a different career path completely. If I would have just told the commandant that day, General Mundy, hey, I'm ready to be a corporal today. Because later in my career, I saw Marines do that. Talk to the commandant, General Krulak. A sergeant was like, hey, you know, um, I'm never going to get promoted because my career field's closed and I'm going to be forced out of the Marine Corps because I'm coming up on higher tenure. You know, I've got great remarks, everything. I'm, I'm ready to be promoted, but the Marine Corps won't promote me because they closed our field down. The commandant promoted him right there that day. And then yeah. that would be that it made him an E six a staff sergeant, which then was allowing him to finish out his up to twenty years right. before he could you know get past you know um, senior time. And I was like, oh, that happened to me, but I turned it down. You it, know? An honest mistake. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and and can't look back, can't regret it. But that's yeah. the one professional <laughs> career I was like, I screwed up, I screwed up because and I didn't realize I screwed up until I was pushing. Sergeant Chadwick had me pushing and I was sweating. I was on leave. I kept saying, oh, Sergeant Chadwick, I need to get on the road. He goes, I don't care. You're going to, you're going to understand the mistake you made today. And I was sweating and sweat. I had to go back to my room, take a shower before I got on the road to Ohio for leave. You know, and I never forgot. I never yeah. forgot. Um, somewhere in that 
time period, I developed some confidence. Yeah, I was a Marine, but I was still shy, still lacked confidence with people, with women, just anything. Somewhere while I was in Quantico, I developed this. Oh, I'm the best looking thing in the room. Am I? No. <laughs> but I had that attitude. And ever since then, I've had a very strong sense of confidence. Some people may say arrogance. Um, maybe so. I've had some relationships where women are like, you're a little too cocky, a little too arrogant. And I would tell them, do you want me to be the other way? Oh, no, no, not really. Not really. Yeah, you're right. But just, just dial it back a little bit. Um, after late years, I decided to get out. Um, I was having some troubles in the marriage. Uh, wife did not want to go to Japan. She was nervous. She'd never been away from home. And I did something crazy. You know, young Marine. I knew her three weeks, asked her to marry me. We were married three months later. We were married for 18 years. Wow. Um, yeah, wow. it didn't, um, and we're best friends now. Even though we're divorced, we're best friends now. You know, we're really good friends, um, friends with her husband. You know, we, we, we're good friends. But yeah, she married, meets some Marine, knows him three weeks. Three months later, she gets married, and then I move her out of Georgia to North Carolina. And she told me years later, decades, maybe even two decades later, she was terrified for like six months in our wow. marriage because she didn't know who I was. I married her. Mm -hmm. We had a baby. And she's living in another state. She didn't know anybody but me. And that's at Quantico? No, we were at Cherry Point. That, you okay. know, I moved from Quantico. Then my first, a second duty station was Cherry Point. And that's okay. when I transitioned from one base to the other. I got married and re-enlisted all in the same month. Okay. And moved. Um, but yeah, so she was nervous and scared. I wasn't the best husband. Um, had regrets. I made mistakes. Uh, but I was 24. 23, you know, mm -hmm. let's see, we got married. I was 22, 22 when I got married. So I'm in the mid twenties and I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, so I decided to get out because I didn't want to lose her and lose my son. Plus I had an opportunity growing up, knowing my grandparents, you grew knowing my family, my ex-wife knew her family. Mm -hmm. I wanted my son to know his family. So I got, I chose to get out so that my son could grow up around his family. Um, miss it every day. I, no lie, I miss the Marine Corps every day. Um, but I don't regret getting out because my son, his best friend was his grandma. And when his mm -hmm. grandma, he was 16 years old and his grandma passed, he was, it was pretty hard on him. It was hard on him because he had a relationship with his grandma. Right. Yeah. Um, even so much now that with my grandchildren, my son doesn't want to take his sons away from me and his mom. We, we tell him, take your family where you need to go. You need to move, take your family where you need to go. Well, I don't want the boys to be away from their grandparents. Oh, we'll come find them. Mm -hmm. But he, he does it because he had that. And I, it's, you know, so I'm like, okay. But yeah, that's kind of why. I, and I also knew at eight years, if I reenlisted, it's going to take me over 10. I'm over 10, I'm less than halfway. Right. Might as well stay in 20 at that point. Um, I didn't put in a package for promotion. I was eligible for promotion to staff sergeant, which is a big deal. That's a staff non-commissioned officer. That's a big promotion. And it was September, August, September. I didn't put in my package because I, like I, I knew I was getting out. I didn't want to steal mm -hmm. a seat from somebody else. Well, they looked at 86 of us in my career field. Promoted 79. I got selected for promotion and didn't put a package in. 
then when I got out of the Marine Corps, well, actually, while I was on terminal leave, I saw my, the message. And I was like, oh, oh, I got selected. And I didn't put a package in. So I thought, what about those other seven? How bad of dirtbags were they? <laughs> <laughs> they didn't get promoted. I didn't put a package in and got promoted. Um, I almost thought about going back in while I was on terminal leave because that was a big promotion. Right. Um, I couldn't find a job. I was struggling to find a job. Two and a half months of terminal leave. It was struggling, struggling. Just the IT industry was falling apart. This was in the late nineties. You know, mm. the bubble was starting to burst. Right. Um, I really thought about it. And then I got the job I got with network data services and had a good time. Um, and then 2001, September 11th happened. And at that point, now my ex wife, my wife, she, when she saw the towers happen, the first thing in her mind was, I'm going back in the Marine Corps. She knew I was, I was leaving. I was going back in the Marine Corps. Actually, we were, I think we were separated, maybe divorced at that time. Yeah. When September 11th happened, because I knew I was unemployed and I just started, um, on September 10th, 2001. September 10th and 11th was easy to get up, get on base at Robbins. September 12th took me four and a half hours. <laughs> and that was because of what happened the day before. Mm -hmm. um, she knew right away I was I was going back in and I really thought about it. I'd only been out for less than a year. Um, I didn't because, it, again, it was my son. Mm -hmm. I didn't want him. I didn't want to take, I didn't want to be away from him. I wanted to be a good father for him. You know, so um, that's just, you know, said never did anything real special other than just did my job did what i was supposed to do always always wondered why do they put me in charge why do they put me in charge i'm, I'm just some 22 year old guy you know what um, was that like when they first put you in charge as a 22 year old oh, oh i was like oh someone's stupid i was like they don't know what they're doing i still think that some days i some days think who put me in charge don't they know um, but there's a reason they put me in charge. You know, I'm, I was in charge of the Marines. Some of it was just because I was a senior rank. Maybe mm -hmm. I didn't wasn't qualified to be a leader, but I had the senior rank, so they have to put me in by default. And so you have to sometimes you have to learn leadership by fire mm -hmm. because you're in charge. When I got out of the Marine Corps active duty, I joined the reserves just because I wanted to stay somewhat in the in the in the Marine Corps. Uh, I didn't sign a contract with them. I was kind of a month-to-month -month thing. Um, I didn't need the points because I'd just come off active duty. I had mm -hmm. plenty of points. And I joined the Marine Corps. I mean, joined the Reserves, a unit in Marietta and Naval Air Station Atlanta. And these first sergeant, no, sergeant major? Yeah, it was a sergeant major. No, nah, I mean, first sergeant. I don't know. Let's just say first sergeant. Calls me in his office. Nope. I know he was. He was a sergeant major. He calls me in his office and he goes, I see that you spent some time in corpus course and sergeant's course and you've coming off eight years of active duty and I see your boots are shined <laughs> and your uniform's pressed. He says, you're going to be platoon sergeant. I say, okay. All right. And the very next, that was Friday night. The very next morning was my first Saturday. I don't know anyone in my platoon. He just pointed them out. There's, your, there's the comm platoon right there. Like 50 guys. And he goes, I expect you at some point this weekend have a uniform inspection. So I said, why not do it first? I walked out there, called everyone to attention, opened ranks, did a uniform inspection, then introduced myself. They're like, what the hell? You could even, people are like, dude, what the, what are you doing? What are you doing? Like some of the other sergeants, dude, what are you doing? 
we're having a uniform inspection. Shut your mouth. And oh. uh, because it was, our major just told me that I had uniform inspection. Reserves was good. I enjoyed my time. I had some bumps in the road because I didn't always agree with some of the leadership above me. I had a staff sergeant who outranked, of course, outranked me. Never spent a day on active duty. Didn't know what the court was about. He'd been a reservist for like eight years. And um, it was a drill weekend. Everyone was tired. It was Sunday afternoon, four or five o'clock. And we had a fire team who didn't clean up their Hummer. And the motor pool wouldn't clear their Hummer until it was clean. So those guys went back to clean it. Well, the staff sergeant was like, hey, everybody's staying until their Hummer's clean. I was like, come on, staff sergeant. It's 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, whatever time it was. Let everyone go home. We got Some of us got three, four, five-hour drives to get home. Let everyone go home. You shut your mouth, sergeant. You don't know what you're talking about. I'm in charge here. One of those career bumps in the road, maybe. I called him a damn shitbird in front of everybody. <laughs> I says, you are effing shitbird. And do another one of the other staff sergeants <laughs> like, excuse me? Yeah, he's a damn shitbird. He should let everyone go home. Both those star- staff sergeants jumped in my case, took me into the room, started yelling and screaming at me. I'm like, mm-hmm, maybe I got a little trouble here. Um, the next month, when, my, when I check in on Friday night, there's a note on, my, on the check-in sheet the guy at the hotel, he's like, hey, um, Sergeant Major wants to see you first thing in his office tomorrow morning, 07. Hmm, I bet you said something to do with last month. <laughs> I did. Walked in here at 7 o'clock. And he's like, hey there, Saker, shut the door. And so I shut the door. And that staff sergeant, who I called a shitbird, was sitting in the corner. And I was like, oh, dear. <laughs> and uh, he says, Saker, you know what you did? I was like, yeah. He goes, you yelled and disrespected a senior, a staff NCO. He goes, I could easily write you up on blah, 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 blah. He kind of gave me the riot act. And I was like, oh, I'm going to get in trouble. And then he goes, and he took a breath. He goes, but he is a shit bird. He is the biggest piece of shit I've ever seen in my life. He goes, if you want, and then the staff oh. sergeant's just right there. And I'm like, oh dear. And he goes, if you want to call him a shit bird, you got a problem with anything he does, you come see me. I'll call him in my office. We'll shut the door and you call him shitbird all day long. You can you tell him he's a bag of crap because he is. But don't do it in front of the Marines. Don't do it in front of the troops. He goes, that's where you went, where you screwed up. He goes, you screwed up. So I started getting a bad taste in my mouth about the unit. And um, it, it's just like, okay, I want to get out. because. And then the career planner was like, hey, you know you're going to get promoted in July. Yeah. I don't know if I can stomach the bad taste I'm starting to develop on my mouth about mm-hmm. this reserve unit um, before July. He goes, we'll find another unit because our unit was actually shutting down too. So we had to go find other units and he was just sticking out. And I didn't, I didn't, um, I don't regret it. Um, yeah, it would have been a promotion, but I was, no, I was fine. With, I was fine where I was at. I was a sergeant of eight years, you know, they don't regret any, anything other than, like I said, other than the time that the commandant asked me, that was probably the one time. Um, <laughs> I mean, I had some, special details things like i was in charge we had a hurricane coming and i had um i was in charge of an augmented security force and again i don't know who put me in charge but there was a lieutenant in front of me above me who was prior enlisted thought he just knew everything because he was prior enlisted. so marines you know we call them mustangs if you're prior enlisted Mm -hmm. and you become an officer well um some of them are the best officers you ever deal with and then the other half are the worst officers you ever deal with. 
and he was one of the worst. And uh, we had to stay on duty for 24 hours a day during the, while the hurricane was coming. So we had to leave our families. And now this was probably my fifth or sixth hurricane. Yeah, my wife. Mm-hmm. She was okay. She understood. But I was still concerned. And uh, I, I says, you know, hey, hey, sir, won't you, because we had 100 Marines under us. And I said, won't you, won't you let half of us go for six hours? And we'll do a six-hour rotation unless something happens. If something happens, then we all immediately come back. You don't know what you're talking about, Sergeant. I'm in charge. I'm a platoon commander. <sighs> this time I remember, you know, I was like, okay, be careful, be careful, be careful. You know, don't, don't do anything stupid. And, of course, I didn't remember that years later in the reserves, but I was like, just don't say anything. I went to the office, talked to the lieutenant in his office, and I said, hey, come on, let's, let's go. And he finally said, like, all right, it's on you. It's completely on you. If we get called in by security forces to augment security issues and they're not here within 15 minutes, it's all on you. Ultimately, it's not. It's on him. He's the lieutenant. But I understood where he was coming from. So I went out there, and I says, all right. I told all the sergeants and the corporals, we're going to break them up. We had a formation. And I did it simple style, how we pick people. Count off one, two, one, two, one, two. All right, ones, you go home, come back in six hours. Mm. Twos, you stay. And some sergeant was like, boy, that's a complicated way of figuring out who's going <laughs> home. <laughs> Not making this complicated, but I got the people home. You know, it was just, it was, it was stupid, you know, um, to keep us all there because we we're just sitting in a freaking office, mm-hmm. you know, conference room with our gear, you know. Um, like I said, I didn't have any real special, you know, duties other than kind of stupid stuff like that i've enjoyed my time as a data comm guy started off mainframe stuff keyboards that clicked green screens orange screens dasdies tapes um just horrible old equipment and then got into banyan vines and moved us into small systems because the mainframes were going away and the only thing i knew about banyan vines was the air force had it and the marine corps had it that's it and then when internet mail, what we would call SMTP mail, you know, what everybody now is just what people say email mm-hmm. came and we're like, wow, we can email people outside of the Marine Corps. <laughs> and I was, it was just a little crazy IT story. I couldn't remember what SMTP stood for. Simple mail transfer protocol. And some lady in the admin office, I was trying to explain to her how to send email to an internet address, you know, well, you know, as email. Um, I said, you put it SMTP, and then you put it in the brackets, and you put the address, and then you close the bracket. And then Banyan Vines would route it out the internet-connected routers. She goes, well, what's that stand for? I said, um, send <laughs> send mail to people, SMTP. I didn't know what it really meant. <laughs> I just said, send mail to people. She's like, oh, that's an easy way to remember it. And ever since then, SMTP is, to me, send mail to people. Um, I've had some... I had a I had a gunnery sergeant. I was just a private, dreamy to no end because he was an E seven and I was a private. Maybe I was a PFC to something. I had emailed he didn't, and he's like, "Well, how do you rate to have it?" I said, "Gunny, <laughs> everybody in the office has email." <laughs> what? I've been trying to get email for seven months. Raw, that keeps getting turned down. He's yelling and screaming. I, I'm scared. I'm a private. This gunnery sergeant's yelling at me <laughs> for no reason of mine. I said, well, Gunny, um, when I get back to the office, I can make you an email account. 
well, who gives you that authority? I said, well, Gunny, every day at 1600, I have to make all the accounts that come in. That's part of my job at the end of the day. 1600, I have to be back at the shop every day, 1600, make all the accounts until 1630. What? Damn, private? <laughs> yeah, Gunny, just write your name down on the paper and I'll make your account. I'll be back tomorrow with your user ID and your password. All of a sudden, anytime I ever needed anything in the admin office, I just walked, walked in there. I, a couple months later, I needed my record book and the corporal wouldn't give me my record book. He said, oh, come back later. I'm busy. I said, hey, is Gunny Gonzalez in or whatever his name was? I think it was Gunny Gonzalez. He's like, yeah, what do you need? Well, he had a problem with his computer. I'm, I need to also work on his computer. Hey, Gunny, um, Corporal out there won't give me my record book. <laughs> Next you know, my record book's in my hand, you know, because I hooked him up, you know. So, you know, just never burn bridges with people. Um, help people out. Do Bring people coffee. Bring people donuts. You know, um, remember the kids' names. Remember some activities that they do here and there. Remember what kind of car they have. Those are all very important things I've learned mm-hmm. over my military career uh, that helped me with my leadership stuff. You know, don't um, don't just assume you can get something because you ask somebody. Don't just walk. In, don't ask them for it. Walk in. Hey, hey, uh, Bob, how's the boat? Start talking to them about the things that they're passionate about. And then at the end of the conversation, oh, hey, um. Can you? Uh, I need this. Oh, sure. Here, go ahead, take it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not always about what you need or what you got. It's build the relationships up with people. You know that kind of stuff. Uh, like I said, don't burn bridges. I am um, a staff sergeant Pavlicek. I hated that guy for years. Um, he had transferred in from uh, another career field into our field. This is when I first got to Cherry Point. I'd had lots of years of experience, but I was a corporal. Mm-hmm. He was a staff sergeant. And he didn't know what he was talking about. Now, granted, the man's way smarter than I am. The man, I don't know if he still works at Cisco, but he's he was, a, he was kind of a big shot caller at Cisco because years later, we ran the Marine Corps Marathon together. But I hated him at the time. And I told him when we ran the marathon, I said, uh, I said <laughs> his name John Pavlicek. I said, dude, I hated you when I was a corporal. I really hated you. You were, I, I couldn't stand working at all because I knew you were my boss. You, I really wanted to get out of the Marine Corps because of you. Because he was, he had his way of doing things. Mm-hmm. He didn't understand some things because he was new to the career field. And I was just this arrogant, cocky corporal who was trying to tell him what to do instead of respecting his rank. And, um, but I never burned any bridges with him. And we're friends on Facebook now. We ran the Marine Corps Marathon together. We have also a mutual friend that he was stationed with when they were in the avionics that that guy transferred into a career field and then worked with me years later. So we, right. we Marine Corps small. Yeah. So we, we kept that and we, all of us ran the Marine Corps marathon together. Um, which if you never ran a marathon before, I highly recommend it. That's an amazing marathon to run. It? Um, it's 26 miles of just people supporting you. I mean, there's people cheering you on. It's a great thing. Um, I had to voluntold work it. In 94, 95, and 96, because I was a Marine in Northern Virginia. And I always said I was going to run it before I was 40. I ran it two months before my 40th birthday. So, Oh, that Eagle Globe and Anchor medal that I got as a finisher's medal was almost as hard as earning the real Eagle Globe and Anchor. (laughs) Because I got a a leg cramp, um, mile marker 14. And my calf was cramped up. I could I struggled walking, let alone running. Oh, that's a long way to go and, to finish. And, and I um I knew I wanted to get past mile marker twenty one. 
Because once you get past mile, if you have you have six hours to get past mile marker twenty one, if you don't, they cut you off. You can't finish the race because they have to open the Fourteenth Street Bridge back up okay. there in DC. And I got past it. I had several hours, but I was getting past that bridge. And at that point, if you get past that bridge, you could take ten hours to get to the finish. But you got to get past that bridge. And I was adamant I was going to get past that bridge. Um, it wasn't. It, and then just like the Marine Corps, um, they're not always gonna, they're not going to make it easy for you. When I ran that marathon, the final hundred yards was a sharp, hard right turn up a hill. Really? You had to you had to run up a steep, steep hill to the finish line. Oh. I was like, oh, "Babe, I'm gonna make you wear in earnest." Um, but I did it. I did it. I, um, you know, it's um, a lot of it. Just like I said, the confidence that I developed while I was in the military, while I was in the mm-hmm. Marine Corps, has helped. You know, leadership. Um, since I've been out. Um, I've developed this mindset and leadership attitude that I hope I've instilled on my son and I instilled other kids that are in my life. When there's not official leadership present, I'm in charge. And people are like, well, what if you're not in charge? I am in charge. If there's a crowd of people, I'm in charge. Mm -hmm. Until the actual person who's in charge shows up. They may never show up. You'll have a group of 100 people out there. Some of them may be leaders of some particular, but they're not. They're not stepping up. I'll step up there. I don't use a megaphone. don't use a PA speaker. I just speak louder. That was one of the things that the Marine Corps destroyed with me. I can't whisper. I I, I just can't whisper. (laughs) I can't whisper. Um, I could speak loudly. I mean, I can get louder and louder and louder without yelling. I just can't whisper. Um. But that's my mindset with a lot of things is um, I'm, if there's no official leadership present, mm-hmm. I'm in charge. I take the responsibility if something goes wrong too. I'm, yeah, okay. I don't blame it on someone. I, or, you know, like I said, there's a thousand people in the yard. All right, hey, we need to move away from the yard or, hey, we need to go over here. We need to do, and I'll figure out what needs done. And then when the f- person shows up, whoever, and it could be a corporate, a, a conference room. It could be, mm-hmm. Um, a crowd of people, cubs, kids, you know, cub scouts, kids, just um, anybody. And that's, I've learned that from the, my time in the Marine Corps, my time, my leadership that I have developed over the years. And some people, you know, like, dude, why do you always have to do that? Why do you always have to be in charge? Someone has to be. Mm-hmm. Um, some Marine, don't know who, told me, probably a sergeant or a corporal that I worked for, when you're walking in the park, and somebody's behind you, you're the leader. When you're walking to the park and nobody's behind you, you're just walking to the park. So if there's someone behind you, you're always the leader. Um, in the Marine Corps, from the day you walk into the recruiter's office, they put you in a rank structure. If someone joined the day before me, they outrank me. Yeah, we're both pulleys, but they outrank me. You never, when you're with your buddies, all your mm-hmm. buddies are all drinking. Someone's in charge. You know, if there's, you know, one of the things we used to work, we used to work um, part-time job in Northern Virginia called office movers. Guy, Chris Trevino, he was a little, he outranked me by a couple months. But there were guys that outranked us two, three, four ranks. Well, Trevino at the office movers job on the weekends 
he was the senior guy. He'd been there the longest. And we all would go work with him. Mm-hmm. He had a team. He was a lance corporal. He was a corporal. But he had sergeants, staff sergeants, and gunnery sergeants who he worked for Monday through Friday. On Saturday and Sunday, they worked for him. They respected him because the, in that position, he was okay. in charge. Um, and now he'd always call them by their rank and sir and whatever. But they're like, Trevino, what do we do? What, what, do you, what do you need me to do? They they respected his rank at that Good. job because he was the leader there. They didn't try to pull that rank. Even when now a bunch of us maybe go somewhere, you know, we haven't met up in decades. We all know who outranks who. Do we you? all know really? who we all. And it's all based on the rank that we were in the Marine Corps. You know, uh, we all know who we all know who each. We don't ask. We don't. Hey, I'm in charge here. We just naturally gravitate to we know who's in charge mm-hmm. um, because someone's always in charge, someone at all times. So you got your time and rank, time and service, time on earth. That's how you break up who's in charge. Wow. You know, and now if someone's putting on an event, a fishing trip, yeah, they're in charge. Yeah, they're the ones that organized it. You know, because it's that mindset. I had a guy, um, you know, in Brett Wilson. Mm-hmm. Brett Wilson came to me and a guy named Darrell Florence. We were both Marines. We worked in, uh, worked for the Air Force Reserve Command A6 um, as contractors. And he come in and goes, hey, Florence, Sager, come here. He goes, hey, this Air Force, we can't figure this out. You guys do your Marine thing. Go figure it out. We didn't give a lot of details from him, but the problem was fixed by lunchtime. And he goes, that's why I came up to you guys. <laughs> you guys did your Marine thing. He goes, Always can the Air Force figure it out. That's why we had the other services. And we didn't exactly. He knew, he knew in his, and he was very good at that. He always knew who had what skill. Um, he may not have had the skill, which I don't think was really an accurate trail. I don't think he knew everything about everything. The man was sharp, but he knew who was the expert. Mm-hmm. And he would go to that person and say, hey, do your magic. You know, that was a good leadership. He was. Yeah, he wasn't in the Marines, but he was a, a good leader that mm-hmm. I, you know, looked up on. Um, I've enjoyed my time working for the Air Force. It's um, it's like, so I lost the camaraderie with my buddies at Quantico, my buddies at mm-hmm. Cherry Point. You know, I had some of the closest friends where I was. My second duty station was Cherry Point. Some great Marines that worked there, great times. Of course, as a veteran, you lose that when you leave. Right. But you don't lose it if you're working on a military base. Yeah, I work for the Air Force. Um, it's not the Marines, but it's not civilian world. I um, I worked for the civi- in the civilian world for seven months. Now, when I that was my first job out of the Marine Corps. Um, now, my boss, he was the HR director and the IT director at this company called Network Data Services. He was a Marine. He hired me and my buddy Robert Aldridge, skinny, um, Aldred, Robert Aldred. Uh, he was the Navy. We were both at Cherry Point, and we became friends because he was he was transitioning off his supply career field into IT, and so he got to know the IT guys on purpose because he wanted right. to learn this stuff. Um, now he's some big security IT director at a company in Atlanta. We got out of them. I got out of the Marine Corps, and a month later he got out of the Navy. And Network Data Services hired us on condition that we come on as a team because we were friends, and they wanted us together. So there was some little bit of military structure, mm-hmm. um, but it definitely was not the military environment. Uh, 
that was the only job I've ever had that wasn't attached to the Department of Defense. Where it was the Marine Corps. I worked as a contractor in the Air Force, contractor in the Army, and uh, I just always, I always, I liked that environment. I would mm-hmm. take less pay to work that in that environment because there's some camaraderie, you mm-hmm. know, at the Reserve Command where I'm at. You know, there's there's a bond there. And we always joke around, hey, once you leave the Reserve Command, you'll be back. You'll be back. And a lot of people do. They mm-hmm. come back. It's, it's a great ma- Magicom to work for. Um, I, I enjoy my time working in that environment. I think it's because of the brotherhood that I had with the Marines. Where they say, uh, all the services, we make fun of each other until you cross one of us and then we're all. You right. know, it's That's like right. you beat up on your cousins, but let the kid down the street jump your cousins. Right. You don't care. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. you were just punching your cousin 10 minutes earlier, but now someone's punching your cousin. You're mm-hmm. going to punch that person. And that's kind of how it is, you know. We see it as veterans, you know. Yeah, we, we give each other crap. But let one let some nasty civilian cross any of us, and we're best, you know, we're right there with each other. You know, some of the things, you know, preparing for this, who, um, who were my mentors? Was there any particular leader that stood out? No. Um, I had Sergeant Bartlett, I had Tim Chadwick, or Sergeant Chadwick, I had even a guy, just just all the Marines I worked with, Burkle, Dr. Burkle, Trevino, just those guys, um, They all I learned something from all of them all along my way. There was um, Ed Rohn, like I said, this guy I'm friends with, this Gunny Rohn, learned some things from him, and now, you know, um, we're st- you know, still friends. Send him some messages today about some woodworking projects he was working on. Um, everybody, I mm-hmm. I learned something from everybody along the way, and I tried to use either the good things I learned from them, the bad things I learned from them, to try to improve because I'm I have to improve every day. The day you stop improving is the day you die. Um, and I don't know it's just it's this. I wouldn't change it for the world. I wouldn't change what I do and maybe change how I did things a little bit but mm-hmm. what I did no I'm not going to change it um, it goes like that I said a little while ago that there's no official leadership present I'm in charge somebody needs to be in charge someone needs to be responsible someone needs to take look at the situation and take care of it I don't know if I could ever be a follower oh, but a good leader does follow Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just always going to walk into the boss's office. Hey, um, maybe we should um, do it this way. Um, some current position I had, I was like, yeah, I'm going to wonder how long I'm going to be in this position before I get in trouble. Someone told me, well, don't get in trouble. No, they put me in this position <laughs> because... I'm going to do things to get the job done. Mm-hmm. I might not do it always the right way. Initiative. And um, when I hire people, that's actually when you said initiative, that's one of the things. When I hire people, I ask them uh, about their initiative. And mm-hmm. tell me a time when you saw something that needed done and you took the initiative, but you got in trouble for doing it. Mm-hmm. Because your leadership said, ah, great initiative, bad judgment. I hear that my entire life. Great initiative, bad judgment. Because <laughs> I always don't make the greatest judgment. But, um, and if they, they usually can come up with a good answer. You know, sometimes that they took some initiative. 
I and, like that uh, twist on the question. Yeah, and make um, tell me about the time that you got in trouble for it. Mm-hmm. And then when someone comes, well, I did this, 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 but I never got in trouble for it. I well, maybe you didn't. Do, in my mind, maybe you didn't do a good enough job. Because you didn't push the boundaries far enough. Right. That it was um, kind of an easy move. Yeah. It was like, yeah. So I, I always question that ability. Now, not everyone. I don't look, I don't want a whole team of misfits because then God will make my job harder. But I want some people under me that work for me and people that work above me to understand we got to get the job done. Mm-hmm. And do what you need to do. Um, some of the mindset in the Marine Corps that that's different from the other services. Mission accomplishment is the single most important thing in the Marine Corps. Then troop welfare is way down below that. And that's what they say. If the Marine Corps wanted you to have a family that issued to you at supply, you know, <laughs> because troop welfare is not the most important thing. Mission accomplishment. But now as my leadership skills have changed over the years, um, Go back and take care of the people. Go back and mm-hmm. take care of some people. Um, for me, I try not to take the credit for what our team has done. If it's something good, you guys did it. You guys did it. Great mm-hmm. job. Great job. You guys did it. You guys did all the hard work. Now, there's been times I've given the credit to the people on the team knowing they screwed it up and I had to fix it. I still don't take the credit for it. And they know that mm-hmm. I did it. Um, but I'm like, Hey, great job guys. The customer was pleased with what you guys did. Good job. And on the back end, they'll send me a private message. You know, I didn't do it. I screwed it up. You're the one that fixed it. No, we as a team Mm -hmm. fixed it. But as soon as something goes wrong, I screwed it up. I don't blame any of my guys. Privately, I will pull them aside privately. Hey dude, don't, don't, don't screw that up again. Publicly. Mm-hmm. I take the blame. Privately, I'll talk to them. Publicly, I give them the credit. I don't ever take the credit. Mm-hmm. Because then these guys will go, for a military Marine Corps term, these guys will go to war with you. Mm-hmm. If you if you give them the praise where they need, you counsel them on their mistakes privately. When it's time to head to the front line, Whatever that front line is, mm-hmm. okay, let's go to war. Let's 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 go to war. I I don't know what the hell you're taking. Where you're taking us? But I'm going with you. And I had Marines that I did that. That they would have just said, "Hey, let's jump off the ship." Okay, let's go. I'm going to jump off the ship because I trust their leadership. And that's what to do. Mm-hmm. So I kind of still my thought process around that is give the credit what credits do take the blame for your team, you know, and then they'll, they'll know the guys who screwed up. They know they're like, Oh, Hey, thanks dude. Thanks for not backing me under the bus. You know, now you burn me too many times. I'm not going to scold you publicly, but I ain't going to give you no more responsibility. You know, you know, don't burn, don't burn me too many times because I'll move on to somebody else. That is the one thing that I remember from the Marines. For me, it was so different in the Air Force uh, as an E-4, an E-5. Um, I started interacting with the Marines, and to see that at E-4 level, they are leading Marines. Yes, we are. Uh, big time. Because leading. E-4s are the first, first, they're NCOs. 
the other mm-hmm. services or NCOs are not. You've always, because like in the army, you're going to have a corporal and you're going to have a specialist. Specialists aren't in charge. The, NCO, the corporals are. All right. Marine E4s are, 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 are leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you have um, five, six buddies, they're all Lance corporals. And that one guy goes and gets promoted. Dude, you can't hang around us anymore. Why, dude? You're a corporal now. You know, or the same way, um, mm-hmm. you know, or even like for me, for me, this was a silly story on this. I was in an advanced computer course. I was the junior person in the course. We had a captain, a gunner, a couple staff sergeant sergeants, um, no other corporals. But uh, so it was a, a lance corporal, some sergeants, staff sergeants, and, and gunner and a captain. I got promoted while I was there to corporal. Oh, I'm still the junior guy. Mm-hmm. But my job as a Lance Corporal is to take the trash out every day and turn the lights off in the classroom. Every day. In the morning, turn the lights on. So I had to be first one there to turn the lights on, last <laughs> one there to turn the lights off and take the trash out at the end of the day. That was my job. Understood. I was the Lance Corporal. I was the junior guy. Got promoted. The gunny goes, hey, congratulations, our Corporal Saker. Um, I understand your responsibilities are going to slightly change. You no longer have to take the trash out and turn the lights off but you're responsible to make sure it gets done. Gunny, <laughs> I'm still the junior person. I'm still taking the trash out and turning the lights off. Right. Correct. But it's not your job. It's your responsibility. Yeah, but I ain't got nobody under me to, <laughs> to go and still do it. He goes, well, then I guess you're still doing it. You're just responsible for it now. I like that it's distinction. Not your, it's not your yeah. job. And yeah. it's like, oh, yeah, that's it that was a... And that because that was the difference between a lance corporal and a corporal. Mm-hmm. The corporal's responsible for it now. Now, if there would have been a bunch of lance corporals in the in the in the class, and we were all rotating through, um, taking the trash out every day, and I became a corporal, I'm probably not going to take the trash out, but I better make sure all, all the other guys do. Mm-hmm. You know, now as a kind of a halfway new leader, I probably would have said, okay, I'm going to take it out once every two weeks. I'll take the trash out and I'll let you guys go to break. Uh, some of the things they always say in the Marine Corps, if you're a corporal you want to get, or a sergeant and you want to get something done, ask a bunch of Lance Corporals. Tell them, I used to do this. Go find a couple of Lance Corporals. You got a four-hour job, but you only got three hours to the end of the day to get it done. You go up to the Lance Corporals, hey, this, 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 and this needs done. You guys can go home early if you get it done. They get it done an hour and a half. <laughs> because I just told them, you're good to go home. You go home. And they would get it done. They would just, they would get the job done. Um, yeah, corporals, corporals are the first line of leadership in the Marine Corps. They are non-commissioned officers, or sometimes we call them instant pricks. Because you, <laughs> dude, you're a dick. Well, I have to be. I'm in charge. Because, you know, you and your buddies, you're all living in the barracks. You're all Lance Corporals. You all go out drinking on Friday nights. But now mm-hmm. you get promoted to corporal. You're still going to go drink with your buddies. Let something go wrong while you're out drinking with your buddies. You're in trouble. Mm-hmm. You're in trouble. Now, if you all were out there and you're all Lance Corporals, you're, you're all kind of fairly in trouble. Right. But when you're that corporal, oh, you're in trouble now. You're in trouble. And then the guy who did whatever stupid thing, mm-hmm. he's in trouble. Yeah, so sometimes you, you're like, ah, can't hang around with you guys anymore. Love you all. We'll drink a little bit. And as you make, move your way up the food chain, you have more and more responsibility mm-hmm. um, like that. But yeah, corporals, like you, you noticed, corporals are 
They're the, they're the backbone of the Marine Corps. Sergeants are backbone of the Marine Corps. Those those first those entry level first line E fours and E fives mm-hmm. they run the Marine Corps. You know, that's just this just was how it is. I mean, that's you know, I'm officers would come, hey there, Corporal, tell me what I need to do. Yeah, I know I'm a lieutenant colonel. I know I'm a major. Tell me what I'm supposed to do. It was a T-shirt I saw once. It was at the Sergeant's Course Leadership um, Course. I think it was in Quantico. It had um, had uh, the road went in off into the sunset, and there was a bunch of bones along the road. And it said around the the picture, it said, "These roads are bleached by the bones of the dead lieutenants who didn't listen to their sergeants." Mm. You know those those that that corporal, those sergeants, those staff sergeants. They've been mm-hmm. in the Marine Corps eight, ten years, something like that, lieutenant. Two years, maybe. He needs to make sure he understands his, yeah, they're junior to him, but they're more experienced. So as a leader, know your know your weaknesses. Know mm-hmm. who on your team has certain strengths. Um, use them for their strengths. Use those strengths. Um, I have guys on my team. They have some better strengths than me. I don't hold them back. Let them go. Let them go do their thing. Right. Hey, you go. You do. You do your magic. And people like the folks that have um, wanted me in charge that are senior to me. Hey, you, you. You go do your 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 Furman thing. Your Marine thing. You know. Sometimes. Hey, give me a call. Give me a call. Hey, uh, we need to talk about what happened. To this day, I don't care how <laughs> good I've been or professional I am. Doesn't matter where I'm at. At a part-time job somewhere or anywhere. When the boss, hey, can you stop by my office sometime today? I start thinking, okay, what did I do? What did I do? <laughs> All right, did I not do something? Did I mess something up? And it's been a long time since I've been called into the office for something bad. Mm-hmm. But I still like, <laughs> oh, crap, what did I do? You know, even even my ex-wife, hey, um, we got to talk when you get home. Oh, crap, what did I do? What did I do? It'll be nothing bad. It'd be like maybe something our son did. I'm like, don't start the conversation off. Or like, uh, you know, I get text messages from a girlfriend. Hey, um, can we talk? Oh, 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 this is probably bad. Sometimes it's not. But it's just, it's my mindset of take that initiative. Do what it needs to do. Get it done. And sometimes it might not be the right way. Another uh, kind of another thing that I've learned with some people, maybe junior to me or or maybe not in my position of leadership. There's more than one way to skin the cat, and I used to butt heads with a scout leader. Um, we're we're great friends now. She's very dominant, type A personality. So am I. We butted heads and butted heads and butted heads, and then I sat back and I said, hey, I'm going to continue to fight with her. Or just let her do her thing. And I always said, look, I need the cat skinned. She's going to skin it her way. I'm going to skin it my way. It doesn't matter how it gets done. Cat, the cat got skinned. So I, I take that into consideration when I'm leading people. Mm-hmm. They, they're gonna, what's the end goal? What's the, did it get the mission accomplished? No, it's not the way you did it. 
but it got done. And then everybody's happy. So I, 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 I try to always take evaluations with my subordinates. You know, again, that's years of being in the Marine Corps, years of being in the Department of Defense, um, just leadership scouts, you know, that kind of stuff. You know, so um, also maybe some of it is because I was the oldest child. You know, I say um, I joke around. I don't know how true this is. My aunt, my mom's older sister, is in charge of that generation. And I'm the first grandchild. Okay. And I always say, well, I'm in charge of this generation. I don't know if I am or not, but I think I am. <laughs> you know, like, I'm like, yeah, this, you know, I'm the oldest one. There's something like 30 years between me and the youngest cousin. You know, mm-hmm. I'm the oldest one and she's the youngest one. And I, I, my brothers, they, they don't get a choice. Hey, come here. Come here. <laughs> you, you go do this. You go do this. Yeah. Um, it goes that, hey, when there's no official leadership present, I'm in charge. Um, it's just, you got to know your place, know people's strengths. Don't be afraid to do things to get the mission accomplished. And I can't turn it off. I, 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 I can't turn it off. It's not, there's not like um, walk into a room. And I think a lot of veterans are this way. I really do. I think a lot of veterans are this way, regardless of your service. You can't turn that leadership off. You, you, you look at it and you get things done. All the services get accomplished differently. Like the Air Force, maybe do things a little smarter. Uh, Marines, there's two types of Marines. Smart Marines and strong Marines. Because there are no dumb Marines, even though they think we're all dumb. Uh, um, I was the before the crayon generation. I was never the crayon generation. <laughs> so, but I understand where it's coming from. Um, I tried to be a smart Marine. And sometimes I was the strong Marine, which is a code word for dumb. You know, try to get through the wall. Some, some Marines will climb over the wall. Some Marines will go around the wall. Strong Marines will bang their head off the wall until there's a hole in it. Either way, you got through the wall. Just, <laughs> you know, and they're all smart. They're just, some are smarter than the others. The Air Force and the Navy and the Army, we all had those type of people. I think just the Marines have a little, we have a lot more strong Marines. Um, but we have a mission. You know, um, it, it was a challenge. It was a little challenge getting out because... Used to think it's my way or the highway. Mm-hmm. It's not always that way, and that's why I said my leadership things have changed over time, over years. Um, I still question my leadership ability every day, but I think a good leader does that. Stands up in front of the crowd, does everything right. In the back of their mind, they're scared out their mind. Oh, well, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, lead them. Lead them. I mean. Um, Sheep need shepherd. You know, shepherd might not know any land navigation skills, but he's gonna. He needs to lead the sheep. So, did I have any kind of awards or decorations um, that meant anything to me? Um, I had a few letters of appreciation that were a big, big deal to me. It's it's not a big Marine Corps award, Navy Achievement Medal. Um, it's decent. I mean, you, it's a it's a medal. I was awarded it because. I changed how the Marine Corps did business with the web, introducing you to the web. Um, to now, to this day, everybody's got a portal. 
Everybody, you you got the Air Force Explorer. You you click on a website. You it's your portal to the world. I went to the um, G six commander, Lieutenant Colonel Brady. We talking about this, you know. And I threw the idea of why don't we have a a portal? Well, I didn't use a portal. I think I just said a website where everybody can go there instead of trying to remember a million different websites. And uh, come up with the stupidest name. And that's, I think it's still, I, I really think it's still active to this day, 20 years later. Cherry Point's kind of four letter designation, designation was CHPT, Cherry Point. The website was chptonline.mil. And I, I think it's still a working portal at Cherry Point. Um, it may have maybe slightly changed, but it was a portal, uh, kind of one-stop shop. And mm-hmm. I um, I was the first person. Like he designated me now the web guy. That's what I was, the web guy. I, I got pulled out of my uh, – I got my own office. I have no, no graphic artistic ability. None. <laughs> um, there's another story for another time on why I don't, but I I appreciate art. I appreciate good things. But I can't design and develop it. I could write the code on the back end, but I knew I was in trouble when I was putting yellow letters on a black background for a professional website. <laughs> um, so the colonel got some lady. Um, I think her name was Diane. Diane Hastings. I think that's what her name was. She definitely an artistic type person. Not um, definitely, you know, the other side of the brain. Little, little spacey kind of person. Great woman. Enjoyed working with her. She could look at my web pages. Mm, no, that font's wrong. That color's wrong. They, mm. She would, she would tell me where to put stuff and then I would design it. Um, but we made a portal. It was a one-stop shopping place. You could check your email. You could put in a go, go to the help desk, and it's yeah. like it's normal for us to think of these mm-hmm. portals today because it's everyone's lives. Twenty some years ago, over yeah, over twenty years ago, mm-hmm. it wasn't really a a big thing. Um, I'm not saying I invented the wheel or anything, but I kind of had that idea and I started the idea, and I got a Navy accommodation memo out of it. Yeah, some people say, oh, anyone can get a NAM. Blah 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 blah. Um, but I did. I got it. I mean, I got mm-hmm. it. Was, it was it was a pretty good to me. It was a big deal because I started something. Some leadership thought it was a great idea. The execution wasn't great. Like I said, I was putting wrong colors, and I'd have lightning backgrounds and flashy stuff. And um, <laughs> I don't do that kind of stuff anymore. But um, yeah, that was the kind of the one. I didn't get a whole lot. I mean, like I said, I wasn't combat marine. I didn't deploy overseas. I, I didn't do anything flashy. I only got a couple mm-hmm. medals and ribbons. Um, but that's the one that was kind of means the most to me because I did something. I think mm-hmm. I impacted the Marine Corps or at least my my base in a positive yeah, absolutely. way. absolutely. Something I do want to talk about that's just kind of personal to me. I haven't been directly impacted by it as a veteran. Um, but I have friends that have. Um, I have some real close people in my life that have been impacted by suicide. Um, my heart every day worries about the 22 veterans that died today. The 22 that are going to die tomorrow. Every day. Yeah. 22. Every stinking day. From suicide. 
go check your buddies. You know, I have some friends that at certain times of the year I know are troublesome for them. Send them a text. Hey, dude, you doing all right? I know they're fine. I just still check. I still buddy check them. I have one friend that who's, um, I know he suffers from some PTSD. Um, he was in Fallujah. Um, he, um, he's seen some, he's seen some tough. Um, Fourth of July is not good for him. He mm. struggles with it. He struggles with the explosives. Now he's the biggest gun fanatic there is. He's got some nice guns and he, mm. but those are, those are controlled environments. When he right. takes, when he goes to the range, he's controlling it. Mm-hmm. When he's at his house and there's people in the neighborhood lighting off fireworks, he's not controlling that. And it, it bothers him. It bothers right. him. So, Usually around July 4th, I'll send him a text. Hey, dude, if you want to come over or just, hey, you doing all right? Or just, just look, I'm checking on you. And a lot of times um, he leaves town. Him and his wife will leave town. They'll go somewhere where there's not as much fireworks. But you got to check on your buddies. But one of the things with suicide, you walk up to some person. Hey, I walk up to you. We met. We talked earlier today. I don't know what the battles are going on in your head. You might look nice on the outside. Got your crap figured out. But what demons are building up inside? Is it finances? Is it your family? Is it your job? Is it, is it um, memories from war? Is it memories from your childhood? Um, you don't know what battles people are battling on the inside. Suicide is a serious serious scary thing as veterans we're losing too many of them every day too many of them every day that's the kind of you know the thing that i would say to any fellow veteran check on your buddies um send them a text it's too easy to not get a hold of them call them up you know even if you're sending them a text message at two o'clock in the morning because you just want to be funny hey dude Mm -hmm. thought about you you're all right and then they'll send you a text message. I went, dude, you woke me up. When they send it back, okay, he's good. He's good. Or, hey, man, or they'll just, hey, thinking about you. You know, I've, I've been through some rough times, and I've had some buddies reach out to me, you know. Um, was I suicidal? No. Maybe a little depression? Yeah, a little bit. And these people check on me. You know, they're like, hey, you all right? Yeah, I'm good. Why don't you come over? Sure. Because I knew... I didn't want to say just no, because I was fine. Mm-hmm. Sure, I might need this. Some things, you know, for kids today, go join. You don't have to be in the infantry. You don't have to be a pilot. You don't have to. Look, I fixed people's email. I was a computer guy. I don't regret it. I knew I didn't want to be infantry, I knew, but I wanted to serve. And plus, I wanted to be a Marine. That's it. I mean, mm-hmm. that's when people ask me, why would you? Well, I, I just wanted to be a Marine. I think every kid should go. And it doesn't matter how old you are. You can be a 29-year-old kid. Um, I've had friends after September 11th. Hey, I'm 29 years old. I didn't do nothing with my life. They went off joined the Marine Corps at 29. Um, they're proud of it. You know, um, go do some. Go, go, go spend some time in. Um, my son at one time wanted to be a Coast Guard rescue swimmer. And his mom was freaking out over that. And I looked at her and I says, 
don't be. She goes, but they, so many of them die. They have a high rate, a high more, high mortality rate. I says, would you rather your son die because he was rescuing somebody or die because he was not doing something for his country or his, Mm -hmm. or saving someone else's life? And she thought about it. She goes, oh, okay. Yeah. I said, oh, we would be both be devastated. But he did something meaningful. And Nancy Reagan, no, I don't, no, Ronald Reagan, sorry, not Nancy Reagan. Ronald Reagan said, um, people go, paraphrasing this, I don't have exactly the words, people go their entire life not knowing if they've impacted the world. Uh, Marines don't have that problem. There's a lot of people I like to reconnect with. Um, some of them may not even be alive, I don't know. Now, my closest two that I'd always want to stay in contact with is Bill Hessler and Scott Gallagher. They were my first two roommates. Bill has recently moved back to Indiana. He lived in Washington State. Um, and he moved back to Indiana, where he was from. And Scott, actually, I had to talk to Scott a week and a half ago. Scott, um, after he left, moved out of our room, he went to uh, Marine Security Guard duty, embassy duty. And then from there, he went off, got a commissioning acceptance and became a navigator in a prowler and uh, his career went through as our navigator went through the clouds mm-hmm. um, he is now he's a financial advisor I think he's in Arizona yeah he's in Arizona I'm just talking to him the other day you know we we still stay in contact those I'm always gonna stay in contact with those two guys there um, when Scott retired a few years ago he was a major and he worked at the Citadel. He was an officer out there at the Citadel. And um, I was the only person in the room that knew him before he was an officer. And he goes, yeah, he's got some stories that I hope he doesn't share. You know, um, yeah, those Scott and Bill are probably my, because they were my first roommates. They were, mm-hmm. we, we did a lot of stuff together. Um, I could go on for days with stories with those guys. So those, I'd always want to stay connected to them. So is there anyone you'd like to dedicate the podcast to? I want to dedicate to the next generation of anything that I constantly think about every day are these, these kids that are in my life. There's Tyler, Noah, Phoenix, James, Madison, um, and Nicholas. These are all six kids that are in my life every day. I think about those kids every day, everything I do. Um, am I a good father to these kids? Um, yes, Tyler is my biological child. Um, he is... He looks and acts like his father. Um, but um, God has put me in a position for these other five children's lives to be impactful. So I, I dedicate everything to those six kids. Mm-hmm. They're, they're my guiding force. You know, they're the reasons I get up in the morning. Thank you. I always like to, to end with from one vet to another. Thanks for serving. And thanks for coming on the podcast. Well, I enjoyed it, Brian. And thank you, too, as well, for your time uh, in the Air Force. Um, You know, it's I know we both believe and support veterans and Mm -hmm. everything out there. And if there's anything I could do for you or for anybody else out there, you know, reach out. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. I want to leave you with the Behind the Rack Veterans Pledge. If you know someone in your life that needs to hear it, please pass it on. I believe, as a veteran, I am part of an exclusive community. And the best exclusive communities are the ones you had to do something to be a part of. 
not pay to get in. I believe as a veteran, my military experience brings value to the civilian world. I realize the parts of my service that may seem ordinary to me seem extraordinary to others. And I believe as a veteran, I am on a hero's journey and the things I've learned during service can bring value, purpose, and meaning to my life after service.